Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. But I still don't think you throw out Jim Harbaugh after a 10-2 season. So Mel Tucker is the first coach in the history of Michigan State, which began playing football in the 1800s, to go 2-0 and in his first two games against Michigan, which is an interesting little fact. He's got about 20 or 30 transfers. The transfer portal now strikes me like the chocolate fountain at Golden Corral. You just lay under it, and everybody you want drops to you. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We're going to do a slight change in the open today. We're going to go right to James Carville and Jeff Ma, because we got so much to get to. And after that, then I'll talk about the World Series and, and some other things. James did not have a great week. He was 3-4. and four. He's 16-21 and 21 overall. But he had the New England Patriots. And in the game that mattered most to him, he had Michigan State beating Michigan. Right? You had Michigan State. You said they hate each other. You were taking Michigan State, and you were right. Are you there? So, sounds like he's making breakfast. Are you there? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm right here. Okay, uh, what do you got this week? All right. I like uh, I, I like uh, Illinois going to Minnesota, getting fourteen and a half points. Minnesota's ranked. They just made in the in the, in the okay okay. I, I understand, and they're ranked, and they're at home, and they're giving up fourteen and a half points. Right. I like to and go. you'll take Illinois. Okay, take yeah. Illinois. Okay. All right. I like Oregon. Going to Seattle to play UW, and they're six and a half point favorite. Oregon's ranked two. Oregon's ranked number four. Oregon, Oregon is yeah. is in shape right now to get into the playoff because Oregon had the Good. biggest win of the year at Ohio State. Ohio biggest State. win. Okay. I wonder if Ohio State, how good Ohio State is. They'll find out they play Michigan and Michigan State. Yes. They might be really good. Well, you said last week you thought they were the best team in the country. Well, Remember? Say, okay, this week, I, last week I said I thought they might be the best team in the country. Just think, uh, I said they're really good. Well, if you're the best team in the okay. country, you're really good. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? I, I, I don't think I'm in conflict there, Tony. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I don't know because, you know, they, they didn't played a lot. I don't know, they beat Tennessee pretty, ba- pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. But but Michigan State that was a great game Michigan State Michigan yes. game wow it was a great game yeah it was great what else you got for us that's it just two this week just two just, just are two, you yeah. are you oh okay I that's usually give so much more than that or a pro game but just two is fine just two, two is, is fine. fine get healthy with just two are you eating breakfast yes, are you making breakfast I am oh. I'm at the mansion at Turtle Creek in Dallas one of my favorite hotels I had room service at the same time I was talking to you I got it. <laughs> Pete out here at the University of North Texas, and I'm doing part of a Pistol Pete documentary. Ooh, that really? I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, he's the greatest college player I ever saw. He's it. Oh, he's man, the greatest. He was just something, and uh, they played in the. He played for the Jazz for a while, and he was just college basketball, particularly SEC basketball. What did be fifteen hundred people at a game? And it was just Kentucky and everyone else. And then this guy just exploded on the scene. It was just unbelievable. I saw him play in person at Madison Square Garden in an NIT game in like 1966, 1967. Bob, I watched him play. Yeah, Bob Knight coached yeah. against him. Yeah. Really? So oh, he can play. 
Wow, you know, I look forward to that. I'd like to see that documentary. All right, all right. Be good this week. Enjoy your breakfast. We'll talk next week. James Carp. He's he's banging. We was banging on pots. He was cooking breakfast. He just had two games. Right. It just. It's always interesting, isn't it? It's never it's dull. unpredictable. <laughs> James Carville is unpredictable. I'd like yes. to know more about the breakfast order. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. curious what he got, you know? It's at a mansion. He's staying at a mansion. It sounds pretty nice. It does sound nice. Do we have Jeff Ma? I believe Sean is efforting him right now as we speak. Let me just Jeff say this is before there. We get Jeff Ma. Just before we get Jeff, I want to say this. For those of you who are wondering what the weather is here, because I talk about the weather a lot, Frost. Frost today on the cars. Walking the dog at 6.15. Frost on the cars. Mm. Just so we know. Jeff Ma is here. Jeff Ma had another good week. Jeff was 4-1. and one. He had the Jets. I was skeptical. He won outright with the Jets, and he was getting 80 points. He's now 25-15 and 15 overall. So if you bet with Jeff Ma, you're rich. You're rich. Congratulations on that. Bet the process. That that's probably now the highest rated podcast in the world because people want to find out what you and Rufus are talking about. 25 and 15 is big time. Congratulations. What do you got for us? Uh, we're going to go with the Jets again on Thursday night, um, plus the 10 and a half. Uh, you know, Indy, this is as much a bet on the Jets as it is against Indy right now. I, I, obviously, Indy's a much better team at home, et cetera, but. Um, you know, on a off a short week, um, I, I just think this is too many points. The pass that Carson Wentz transferred from his right hand to his left hand in the end zone to avoid a safety that went directly up in the air and became a touchdown is the worst play <laughs> of the year, right? Am I right, Jeff? The worst play of the year. And then he brought him back down the field. He did. He brought him back down the field for a touchdown and overtime, but that was so awful, so awful. Yeah, I mean, we what? talk about how in, in in football, you know, turnovers are sort of the most important thing, but being able to predict turnovers going forward is, is impossible. And I think maybe with Carson Wentz, it may not be impossible. I mean, it, it, That's he, right. he, yeah. he does these things over and over again. And, and the funny thing about it is, like, he, you know, you do these things that you think, okay, I'm going to save some, some yardage from the sack. But the downside when it doesn't work out is just astronomical. And so, you know, as long as he continues to do these things, it's a real issue. Yeah. What else you got? I'm going to take the Saints uh, minus the six. Obviously, I don't even know if we know who's starting for the Saints. I don't really care. The Saints, the reason they're so strong is their defense. Their defense is, is elite. Um you know, Rufus actually has them rated as, uh, I think, one of the top five teams in the NFL. And we kind of joked about it on the podcast last week. But, you know, they, they certainly played uh, like that last week. Um, and uh, I, I, I think Atlanta's obviously in trouble missing. Uh, Ridley is going to hurt them. Um, that You know, we talked a little bit about that, that sort of winning streak they had being uh, a little bit overrated against some bad teams and, you know, by very, very small margins, most of those games. So I, I like New Orleans minus the six here at home. Yeah, you took them last week and you won with them last week. They, they've got – New Orleans has two great wins, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. They got terrible losses, but they got two great wins. But as you say, we have no idea who the – it could be Wilbon's Northwestern boy, Trevor Simeon, or it could be Phillip Rivers for all I know. What else you got? 
I'm going to take, uh, let's see here, uh, Cleveland plus the two and a half. Um, they didn't come through for me last week, um, but I, I still contend, you know, they are, uh, you know, a, a well above average team. I think, you know, Cincinnati is a, a bit overrated uh, after that win against Baltimore. And certainly last week they, they you know, kind of let that game yeah. get away from them at the end. Um but I like Cleveland getting the, the two and a half here against Cincinnati in a game I think Cleveland will win out, right? Loser is out. Loser's out of playoff contention. So big game. And and Ohio rivals. It's a that's a big game. What else you got? I'm gonna take the Chargers minus the one and a half. Um this line's kinda of bounced around. It was even at one point. I took Philly last week, obviously Philly that game was very much against Detroit, much less against than a positive for Philly. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you look at these things; it's a, it's a market, and the market tends to overreact. And we went from the Chargers, like everyone seeming like, okay, this is one of the elite teams in the in the uh, in the AFC. To all of a sudden, now you know, against a, a pretty mediocre Philly team, basically needing to just win. Uh, to cover for you. So I, I, I like the Chargers here. I think, you know, the, the market has kind of rea- overreacted to them. Okay. Got another for us? Yeah, I'm going to take the, the Raiders. Um, I know, obviously, there's probably a little bit of turmoil there. Um, I guess that's maybe an understatement um, with everything going on. But uh, I, I just am not impressed with the Giants, obviously, last week, um, even playing – Kansas City so close. I mean, the decisions that Judge is making on a lot of these fourth downs and just generally clock management and whatnot, I I think he's a pretty bad coach, it's looking like. And um, I I think the Raiders are a good team. Um, And I think that losing Gruden is not that big a deal, really, at the end of the day. And I think uh, they're 2 0, right, without him? Jeff, they're 2 0 without him. Now they're coming out of a bye. Um, they're coming out of a bye. I don't know how that affects teams. Andy Reid coming out of a bye always wins, but not everybody coming out of a bye wins. Do you have any sense of coming out of a bye? Is that something you're obviously not staying away from the game? So, what is your sense of that? No, the bye, the bye is definitely worth points, and it's worth points for a lot of reasons. It's worth, well, it's actually, it's, it's, I think the number that most people use is just under a point or something like that, like 0.9 or something like that is what a bye is mm-hmm. worth. Um, and, and it's it's because of the rest. Um, the rest is a big deal, and it's not you know the Andy Reid sort of extra prep, all that kind of stuff. That that's a little bit overrated. Uh, we know rest matters um, in the NFL. Like the teams that get the buys um, in the playoffs, all that. There, there's a lot of data. We know that that buys, yeah, definitely matter. And even that extra rest from a Thursday playing a Thursday night game. To uh, to a Monday or whatever, or to to the next week, um, that matters. So um, yeah, certainly this matters, and that, that does play into the value here we see on the Raiders. Okay. okay, thank you, Jeff. You can listen to Jeff and Rufus on Bet the Process. I now highly recommend it. I highly recommend you bet with Jeff yes. because he's now plus ten. Yeah. Plus ten. Thanks, Jeff. All right, bye, Tony. And he gets up early to do it, which is nice. Yes, very kind of him. We. In order to accommodate all the betting on the last show of the week that we do, we had to cut out the World Series. So I'm going to do five minutes on the World Series right now. One of the rare times I got something right, I had Atlanta at the start of the series. I said because they win close games. Last night was not a close game. 
Max Fried won that game in the bottom of the first inning. Max Fried had two on, nobody out, got out of the inning, two strikeouts, and got out of that inning. And then he was fine after that. He gave six innings of no runs. That's as good a performance in the World Series as happened all this World Series. That was a big-time starting performance. So Lair hit one literally out of the stadium. <laughs> out of the stadium. Past the track. Yep. Out of the stadium. Yeah. Freddie Freeman hit it's one. Still staring at down. Dansby Swanson hit one. Yep. The Braves won that series by winning two out of three in their place and two out of three in the other guy's place. And again, I said this, most recently what we've seen with Houston was at home against the Nats, lost them both. Lost them both. That, you know, the Braves, only 88 wins, under 500 until the beginning of August, but closed like a locomotive. What do you think? Uh, look, this is a team where people have criticized the GM for not doing enough to get Freddie Freeman to the World Series, and you look at what sure he did, did this, uh, this at, the, at the end of the summer, and those uh, outfield moves were the difference. You look at Solaris' home run. that The game felt like it was over in that third inning. You didn't think that's, they were going to give that up. That's right. And you look at uh, Max Frieden. What could have happened in that first when he gets a, a, a cleat off his ankle and you go back to something as simple as PFP and not getting the, the toss to you know leading Freeman to the bag – and then you look in the middle innings where he was getting, he was inducing double plays so they could not maintain or establish any momentum. It, look, I'm, I'm a Nats fan. It's impossible not to root for this Braves team. Sure, because you did, see them 19 times. What, what, what they did when they lost to Cunha, what they've done when they, when they have such. Azuna out too. When, when they have this, um, you know, this, the talent like Riley, who you see, you know, Dansby Swanson come up. It's hard not to root for those guys in addition to Freddie Freeman, who you still just always have the image of him walking around, meeting kids dressed <laughs> as Freddie Freeman on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. So what Michael is alluding to, Anthopoulos, who is the GM there, halfway through the season brings in Soler, Rosario, Jock Peterson, and Duval. He just brings in four studs. Yep. And they and they closed. They closed. They were it's six sixty seven. They won two out of three to close the season, not just two out of three, like 40 and 20, like 45 and 22. It's, it, it, they closed great, and they deserve to win this, and it's good because there's no ambiguity about the Astros now. They only won when they cheated. It's as simple as that. Correa's contract is up. I think Correa will leave. I think 10 teams will bid for Correa. Correa's a big-time player. They've got the infield is what's left. The infield and McCullers. And I think within two years, within, within all those contracts being up, they'll leave. Because it's hard. It was hard to be an Astro the last three years. Yeah. It was hard. But that was a satisfying World Series to me. Satisfying World Series. Now, to your point, all of October, you wonder what was the influence of the Braves getting the path through the divisional round that they did, and actually where their record was, the importance of winning the division, not having to go through the West in, right. terms of the, in terms of that divisional round or the wild card. Much easier to play Milwaukee than to play either San Francisco or Los Angeles. They ended up playing Los Angeles, and Los Angeles was tired because they had to give everything to win the wild card and then beat the Giants in five, which is very tough to do. And they came back from behind to do it. That's our World Series wrap-up. We will take a break. Booger McFarland, I believe, joins us when we return. Am that I correct cor on that? That is correct, yes. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a Simply Safe ad. If you've ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. This week, Simply Safe is giving our listeners 40% off their award-winning home security. Simply Safe has everything you need to make your home safe, from indoor and outdoor cameras to comprehensive sensors 
and they're all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who will send help the instant you need it. Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System of 2021 by U.S. News & World Report. You can easily customize a system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. These are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over $100. Well, that's pretty good. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start getting a little more peace of mind. Yeah. I see these signs all around the neighborhood. Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday sale and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash Tony. S-I-M-P-L-I, kids. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Tony for 40% off your entire system. But hurry, because the offer ends soon. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Don Stewart, whose songs we have enjoyed tremendously. This is uh, a song called Fool Me. The album is titled Don Stewart, Volume 30. He writes, my wife and I drove up to D.C. a few weeks ago from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We listened to your podcast to make the time go faster. Even though she's strictly a baseball fan, doesn't understand or care about football, she likes to listen to you talk about it. Thanks for playing my songs and making our lives happier. Thanks for giving us your songs and making our lives happier. Absolutely. Don Stewart really good plays in booger mcfarland and and because booger does college and pro football it there's a whole smorgasbord of stuff that we can talk about but let's start with what i think is the biggest headline probably in football at least this morning the college football rankings out for the first time we are still in a four-team playoff so the first four matter not the first eight not the first 12 not the first 16 the first four matter it doesn't mean they're going to be the four at the end of the year but are you okay with the top four? What would your top four be and rank them in order for me? No, I'm not okay with the top four, Tony. I, I think, you know, we're giving Alabama a lot of credit and we're giving them a, a, a lot of, um, you know, matter of fact, based on what they haven't done yet. I think the bottom line is they've already lost. Uh, I would yes. go Georgia one, which is pretty much the same. I would put Cincinnati two. And, and I, I don't just base that on this season. Let's go back to last year, Tony, in the Peach Bowl. I mean, they had Georgia beaten. If, if it were not for a personal foul call, they beat the big bad Georgia. And That's right. a lot of those same guys that were on Georgia's defense are there now against the, on this defense that we're calling the greatest defense of all time. So I think Cincinnati's last 12 months of work, they deserve to be number two. I'd probably put Michigan State uh, three, and I would put, um, I would put Oregon four. Because I think Oregon has the single best win on the season, Tony. They yes. went into yes. Columbus, Ohio, into the horseshoe without their best player, maybe the best player in the country in Kayvon Thibodeau, and they beat the Buckeyes. And I hear people saying the Buckeyes have gotten better, but what am I supposed to do, just kind of wash my memory of that game? I saw them play on the field and saw them beat a team there. So I would honestly line up and go Georgia, Cincinnati, uh, again. Um, I like what they're doing. I think Cincinnati deserves to be number two and so on and so forth. So let me get to the Cincinnati part, and you will certainly appreciate this. Cincinnati almost lost to Navy. Had they done that, they would not be in the, they're not in the top four, but they would not even be in the top six at that point. But here's the deal. They have only two games left against teams that look like they're pretty good, SMU and Houston, and neither of them is ranked at the moment, Booger. Neither of them is ranked. So it seems to me 
that a lot of fate is stacked against Cincinnati by that committee. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree, Tony. And, and to me, that's kind of the the catch twenty two. Remember, several yeah. years ago, we had the BCS, yeah. and everyone said, "Okay, we got to get away from computers. We got to go to human beings." Well, here's the issue with human beings in the room: we can't sometimes put aside what we think we know for what we actually have in front of us. And I think what the committee is looking at is they say, "Okay, I think Alabama may be the best team in the country, even though they've lost." And I think Cincinnati is probably not as good as their record says, but I know they're undefeated. And I know if you look at the last 12 months, they have a really, really good game against Georgia. They go into South Bend, they beat Notre Dame. They have a win against second best win of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Second best. Oregon is the number one win of the year, and Cincinnati has the number two. They do. Yeah. Exactly. So if, if, if I'm these people in the room, I'm the human being, I have to be able to take the take the crystal ball and put it aside. I can't look ahead to what I think the teams are going to be. I have to look at what they are now. And I think right now, based on what we've seen, Cincinnati deserves to be number two. But I will agree with you. They have a tough road to hoe, as my granddad would say. Yeah, and one other thing. I think you and I can both agree that when you put Michigan State three, that is absolutely deserved. But you're also holding a place for when they play Ohio State, right? Because in your mind, the winner of that game is going to the playoffs. At least in my mind, I assume you agree with that. Well, here's what I would also say. Let's just play this out. Let's say Michigan State, Ohio State play each other. Ohio State wins. Ohio State wins the Big Ten also. So now you have an Ohio State Big Ten champ, and you have an Oregon Pac-12 champ. Let's say that uh, Alabama beats Georgia, okay? Uh, Cincinnati remains undefeated. I'm telling you, Tony, if you put two SEC teams in and Cincinnati gets in, which I think they should, now what do you do between Oregon and Ohio State? I'm going back to the head-to-head because I cannot erase the single yes, best yes. win of the season. And if that's the case, then I think Ohio State gets left out. Yeah, because you're, you're advocating for Cincinnati. But I'm not sure the committee will advocate for Cincinnati, right? Well, somebody, somebody's got to advocate for the, for the little fellow. <laughs> I know you used to advocate for the big people. I've got to advocate for the little people. <laughs> Good for you. All right, let's get to the pros for a second. Very upside-down week. Cincinnati lost to the Jets. Tampa Bay lost to New Orleans. Cleveland lost to Pittsburgh. You know, there doesn't appear to be a great team out there. I think we're looking at a lot of teams that might go, what, 17 games, but in my head it's, you know, 11-5 and five or 10-6 and six or, or something like that. Or do you see, to me, these, these sorts of weeks are going to happen as we go forward. I don't think anybody's getting in there with two losses. I think there's going to be at least three for all the teams. I wonder if you think that they're no, 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 Tony. There's a really good team out there, and it's this team. No, I I think you and I are sharing a brain when it comes to that. I think over 17 weeks, uh, let's just go back and and look at last season. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what did they lose? Four or five games last year, but once they got into the postseason, they got hot. I think you're going to see something very similar to that this season. Uh, here's the way I stack it up, Tony. If you look on the AFC side, I think Tennessee is holding the number one spot. I don't think they're going to stay there, especially after losing Derrick Henry yes. with, with what some think is for the season. Uh, do we think that Las Vegas is going to be there? I, I love my friend, Rich Versace. He's a great friend. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be in the, the first two seeds. I think when it's all said and done, I think the cream rises to the top. I think Buffalo will be at the top. I think the Chargers will be uh, up there. Cincinnati really? will be there. Here, Here's my surprise team, Tony. Here's my surprise team, the New England Patriots. And I'll tell you why. 
Bill Belichick has always treated September like an extension of the preseason. And if you notice, notice what happened in September, the Patriots were kind of low, and everybody kind of wrote them off. They looked, they, they looked bad. Well, guess what, Tony? Patriots are 4-4, four and four, and Matt Jones is playing yep. better than any rookie quarterback in football, and I think he's going to get better and better. So I think New England is going to be a top-four seed in the AFC. Now, when you flip it over to the NFC, yes, it's really top-heavy with Green Bay, Arizona, the Rams, Dallas. I still like Tampa when they're fully healthy. When A.B. is right, now you have your speed receiver that where you can no longer sit on Godwin and Mike Evans. When Gronk is right, he gives you know Tom Brady what oh, Blanky sure. gave Linus, which is kind of real, real security and real protection. Uh, the Saints, as good as they looked against Tampa Bay, it's hard for me to see that team being a contender with no starting quarterback. I, I love Trevor Simeon. He's a great story. Taysom Hill is a great Swiss, uh, Swiss Army Knight, but I need somebody that can make some throws in the postseason. So I think the NFC is really, really top-heavy. I think those are the teams that I just listed. The AFC has yet to shake out, but you're right. There is no dominant team. But if you gave me some of Tony Kornheiser's money that you've made on PTI over the last 20 years, I would take yeah. Here's who I take, Tony. I take the Buccaneers. I take the Rams. I take the Bills. And I take the Chargers, and I give you everybody else. That's interesting. So you are not deterred by the fact that the Chargers have lost two in a row and that Justin, Hen- Justin Herbert has not looked like the next big thing. You're not deterred by that. No, Tony, because I truly believe Cream always rises to the top and he's too good. Right. Now, what they have to go okay. back and do is they have to realize, well, what is he struggling with? Like, we can continue to do the same things over and over and bang our head against the wall, but guess what? That wall is really hard. It's not going to break. Or if it is, it's going to take a long time for it to break. So here's what I would say. If I'm uh, Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator, and I'm Brandon Staley, who's the head coach, hey, let's go back and look at what we did early on that led us to be successful. And he needs to get the ball out of his hands. He doesn't need to hold the football. Early in the season, he was playing really, really well when he was in rhythm. It's something about the rhythm of, of football. It's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like a dance move, Tony. One, two, cha-cha-cha. Okay, one, two, cha-cha. The ball's got to come out on time. Yeah. The more he yeah. holds the football, the the worse that he plays. And I think that's what you'll see if you go back and watch the tape. I'm going to go from winners to losers. I started feeling bad for Dan Campbell a couple of weeks ago when he did everything he could to win a game and he just couldn't win the game. And then Philadelphia just blew his doors off. Did you ever play on a team where you thought, this coach is in jeopardy. This may not end well. This may end much sooner than we think. Do you have any thoughts about Dan Campbell and his long term, even at Detroit, where he seems to be a champion for a downtrodden franchise? Yes, but here's the difference. I'll give you an example, and I'll tell you why Dan Campbell is different. So I played for John Gruden, and John came in in the first year. He changed the culture just a little bit offensively, and we won the Super Bowl. But then, Tony, what happened is, John put his agenda, I think, over the team's agenda, meaning John was an offensive guy. Our Bucks team was yeah. a defensive team. And so as John tried to shift the team from a defensive team to an offensive team, we lost our identity. Uh, John's people skills weren't the greatest, and therefore the building started to go against John. And at that point, I knew John was no longer going to be the coach in Tampa for a long time, okay, because right. things started to change. I don't necessarily sense that in Detroit. I got a couple of people that work up there – and everybody seems to be going in the same direction, and I get it. They're over. They're not playing well. Yeah. The head coach is at the podium shedding tears, and it doesn't look good. 
But watch how they play, Tony. They play really, really hard. Now, against the Eagles this past week, the game got out of hand. But that's really the only game that's gotten out of hand. Like, they have fought throughout the season. And as long as Dan Campbell has the team that, that's buying in, now I do think he's got to figure out who his quarterback is going to be. I don't think Jared Goff is the guy. But I do think Dan Campbell is going to be successful in Detroit because I think he understands as a former player, and he's got a staff full of former players, I think they understand how to rally the guys. More importantly, they understand how to win. They, they just don't have the talent to win right now. All right, I'll get you out of here on this, and it's, it's sort of – you know, that other question about who you played for. Did you ever play that? A couple of things happened this week that are very, very important. You mentioned one with Derrick Henry getting hurt. The other one is Von Miller going, Von Miller is a great player, if he still is, going from Denver to the Rams. Were you ever on a team where you got either a tremendous dose of bad news or a tremendous dose of good news and how it reverberated for the rest of the season? Uh, Tony, I'll just use myself as an example. So October 2006, Tony, I'm in Tampa Bay, and I get a call on a Tuesday about 4 o'clock. Uh, actually, it was about 3.45. Bruce Allen, the GM of the Bucks, says, hey, Booger, got some uh, good news. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts called, and they want you. I'm saying, well, Bruce, what does that mean? He said, well, we've traded you to Indianapolis. So, Tony, in a matter of moments, I'm sitting at my home in Tampa, and I'm relaxing, and I get a call, and my whole life gets turned upside down. Yeah. You fast yeah. forward 12 hours. I'm on a plane. This is back when AirTran Airlines was still alive. I'm on AirTran, headed to Indianapolis. And I land in Indianapolis to go to a team I, I knew nothing about other than Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. But I trusted Tony Dungy, so they traded for me. So I go in there. And Tony simply said this. He says, just be yourself. He says, you got a, uh, it's a group of guys in here that need you. And so, Tony, for me, I go from 0-5 in Tampa to undefeated in Indianapolis. And so you talk about the jolt of energy. I was the jolt. I was the guy that they brought in to be the good news. I was the guy brought in to be the, be the jolt of energy for the Indianapolis Colts. And I didn't know how to handle that at first because I'm not a guy who likes the center of attention. But Tony eased my mind by saying, just be yourself. And Tony, we went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And a lot of people attribute me going there or me being traded there as, as, as a key factor. And Tony even tells me that all the time because our defense needed a jolt. We needed some veteran leadership. So, yeah, Tony, you can have a jolt of energy when you bring a guy like Avon Miller in there, especially if he can still contribute. Because the first thing that's going to happen is when he steps on the field and all the guys are going to look at him and see what he's doing, what is, how much does he have left in the tank, what kind of practice player is he, does he work hard, does he exude the characteristics that we need to win? And as long as Von Miller does that, then the Rams are going to get a, a jolt of energy because you got another playmaker. It's kind of like if, if you were doing PTI by yourself, like it will be good, but it turns out to be great when you got you and Wilbon there because you know you have someone else that's going to bring the same exact intelligence and energy that you are. So you can't help but to elevate everyone else. So, yeah, I think the Rams are going to be really, really good. They are amongst the, uh, about seven or eight teams that, if you're Vegas, you put your money on to win the Super Bowl. What a lovely story. Thank you, Booger. We'll talk to you soon. It's always a pleasure to have you. It's, Thank you. Always. Anytime, TK. It's lovely. That was great. Wasn't it? He's the guy. <laughs> he was Von Miller. <laughs> yeah, he great. was the spark plug. Yeah. yeah. All right, we will take a break. Uh, Chuck Todd, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
This is a ZipRecruiter ad. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like cuts of steak, very expensive now, mattresses, bottles of wine. What if you could do the same thing, choose your ideal candidate before they even apply? That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How does Invite to Apply work? Well, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for the job. Lauren Webb, apparently a real person, Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health, apparently a real company, <laughs> raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, and I'm quoting here, I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite candidates. It's easy for me and it's easy for them. In fact, ZipRecruiter gets two and a half, more, two and a half times more candidates through invite to apply, which helps make for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. That's for you who listen to this show. That's how they know you listen to this show. To try ZipRecruiter for free. It's free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. Honestly, it's free if you're hiring. You got to try it. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Actually, I'm inclined to believe that Dan Byrne is a genius. I'm, I'm getting to that point where he does this so quickly. Yes. And I know there's great effort, but he makes it seem effortless. He's beginning to sound like a genius to me. Michael, if people like Dan Byrne want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. He, he just takes a phrase out of a show and suddenly there's a song. It's just great. That's amazing. He plays in Chuck Todd. And Chuck Todd had another bad week, two and five, 23, 32 and one. If this persists and Chuck is betting his own money, he's going to have to take a job on News Channel 4 to supplement his income on Meet the Press because you're going down the drain. I, before we get to this, just one quick question. I assume, and I don't know this, 
Uh, I'm sure you were up late with the elections. I assume that the Yunkin victory is at least one of the three top stories because Virginia had really become a blue state, and and this is not a blue state victory at all. It's almost no more blue out there than Terry McAuliffe, and he lost to Glenn Youngkin. Is that a big one, and does it have any national repercussions that you can see? Yeah, I think it does have uh, national repercussions because of a race we still haven't called yet in the state of New Jersey. Right. This is this is where it tells you this wasn't about Terry McAuliffe. This wasn't about Glenn Youngkin in the state of Virginia. This is about the national environment and a lack of uh, of and, and Democrats. Basically, the same twelve point flip that you saw in Virginia goes from plus ten Biden to plus two Youngkin. Uh, that's what we're seeing in New Jersey. That was a plus sixteen state. And all the votes are counted. I expect Murphy, the yeah. incumbent, to win, but it's going to be a 12-point shift. So the point is, some people are going to try to say, oh, Terry McAuliffe this, or Yunkin that, or he did this while he... It's the environment, stupid. I mean, this is just okay. one of those cases where the voters are nationally, they're sour on Biden, they're sour on the current state of things, uh, and uh, Democrats, are, uh, uh, Republicans are a heck of a lot more fired up about voting than Democrats right now, pure and simple. All right. If you're going to talk about point shifts, that perfect segue into the football. There you go. Everything's in gonna... red. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> First game, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cleveland plus two and a half. I thought about this game this morning, walking the dog. I thought only this. The loser's out. There's no playoff yeah. for this loser. This is a critical game in this week for these two teams in Ohio. Who are you taking? Yeah, I, uh, I after – avoiding losing money on the Bengals playing the Jets the way everybody else did. Like, I'm like, you know Mm -hmm. what? I get that the Bengals are better, but I didn't trust them. I didn't trust them against a bad team yet. Um, I think they'll have their attention. I think they were. So I'm going to take the Bengals because I just simply think Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield, even if they're both unhealthy. Uh, And and I think at the end of the day, with a a two-minute drive, who would you rather – who do you think's got a better shot at winning that game, Burrow or, or Baker? I think I'm a better. I think Burrow, Burrow does. Yeah, yeah, I think Burrow's going so, to be a great quarterback, and, and Baker Mayfield is a good one. Yeah, yeah, two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Give me the bungle. New England is at Carolina. New England, fresh off a pretty impressive win. Uh, New England is minus four uh, on the road. New England is a road favorite, right? Do I have that correct? Minus four New England. That's right. Road favorite. Carolina had one, three in a row, then lost four in a row, <clears throat> then won a game. I think they're four and four now. Sam Darnold does not give you any particular confidence. And I don't, you know, he got a concussion trying to run for the touchdown. I don't even know what their quarterbacking situation is. If you like New England on the road, you give four. Do they have Mike White too? Maybe they can get that guy. They do not. They, 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 do yeah, not. they don't have him yet. Yeah. Uh, no. I, you know, it, it's it's not a close call. Which team's better? I'll admit, uh, after after what New England did to the Chargers, there's part of me that thinks that eh, they could let down a little bit. Uh, I do think Matt Rule's a really good coach. I think he gets his team ready. I think I feel like that team overperforms the talent that they have. Um. So it's not a game I would bet real money on because I don't I don't trust I don't trust New England in this spot, but I, I I'm not going to not bet on the Patriots in this in this with this semi short number just because it um, they they are I think 
easily the better team. I just do get nervous when they play teams below them. They're, they're, they do act like a young team and, and play down to the play down to them. But I, I can't I can't do it enough to to bring myself to take Carolina. So I'll okay. take New England. It was pretty good uh, game. Yeah, Minnesota, which I thought was a good team, and Minnesota lost the other night. Minnesota is at Baltimore. Baltimore had a bye last week. Uh, Baltimore, I think, coming off a loss. Uh, right? Was that the Cincinnati loss or when they, that they're coming off? Baltimore with something to prove. Minnesota seeing its season drop. If Minnesota loses this game, they appear to be out of the playoffs. Although it's 17 games, I'm not sure. But Minnesota getting five and a half at Baltimore. I have to tell you, you don't we say this every year? We think Minnesota's a good team, and then yeah, they and then either play good teams and they're not. And they just, they're not. you know, they, yeah. yeah, they're not a good team. Uh, and, and I just, they're just, they're just not, uh, I'm, and I think Baltimore after bye, um, and they got to keep winning, right? They got to keep winning to keep up. That's right. So, uh, That's in, right. in that division, uh, no, give me, give me Baltimore. And I, I, I do, it does have a feeling that Minnesota could go off a cliff, right? They lost yeah. the last couple of games, something they could. And we, when, when remember the start of the season with the whole, Cousins and COVID and not wanting to get faxed and Zimmer not being happy about it. I, it feels like that's a team that could it, it could spiral badly if it starts to go badly. All right, so you will take Baltimore and give five and a half. The next game mm-hmm. is Los Angeles Chargers, who've been beaten two in a row, and whose quarterback, Justin Herbert, suddenly doesn't look like the next big thing. They're at Philadelphia. Now, I understand Philadelphia beat Detroit. But they scored 10,000 points against Detroit. They're a home team. The Chargers are a road favorite. It has dropped from two and a half to one and a half. Don't know what it'll be by Sunday. But if you like the road team going 3,000 miles against the team that suddenly got hot, albeit against a bad team, you give one and a half. I, I you know, maybe I'm missing something. I love the Chargers in the spot. I think they're, uh, I, I think they're um, a great road team because they only play road games. And they do yeah. seem to do better on the real road than they do in uh, when they're playing uh, in the Rams' home stadium and whatever other team they're playing who turns it into their home stadium. Um, so I, I like the Chargers here a lot. I don't think Philadelphia is that good at all. Um, you know, they're they're a. I don't even think they're a good bad team, right? Uh, I think this is a get right game for the Chargers, and and I I like I said, I love that it's. The line's gotten tighter. This is this is one of the few that I really like here that you gave me. Here's a well, you could pick your own games. Jeff Ma does. You could pick your no, own games. No, you it's, okay. It's more fun. Right. It's more fun to play the victim here okay. when I don't do right, well. Yeah. Right. It's a lot sure. more fun. Come that's on, that's fun. what society's about. It's about feeling like a victim now. You know that victimization. No <laughs> victimization. Hop on the couch, Chuck. That's right. and be a victim. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, here we go. Exactly. Tennessee, this line would be nowhere close to what it is under normal circumstance. Tennessee would not be getting 7.5 at the L.A. Rams. As good as the Rams are, they would not. They'd be getting 2.5 to 3. That's all they would be getting against the Rams, even with the Rams getting Von Miller. But Tennessee has lost Derrick Henry. And if you only have to prepare for Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee becomes beatable. So this line soars to seven and a half in the first game without Derrick Henry, sort of the game where the team needs to prove that they won't miss Derrick Henry that much. That's a big number, seven and a half. Will you take it? 
I'm tempted to, for all the reasons you just stated. I do think after a big injury like that, I do think that first game after a big injury, team rally. Um, yeah, I believe, I believe that. Yeah, and, and while I think that this does end Tennessee's chances of being a dark horse Super Bowl team, I mean, that team is a lot different with him there. Seven and a half, that half point, this is the NFL. Um, you know, you're right, it is Tannehill, you know, and he, you can prepare for him, but I'm, uh, I think that's an over, I think this is a bit of an overreaction. And like I said, I'm going with the idea that there'll be some rallying around, hey, let's, uh, Let's prove we can do this without him. Uh, See the monkey. Yeah. So you're going to take Tennessee. The monkey is that fired up. (laughs) Just because he won a couple of weeks, he's already throwing it too early. I got that. All right. I got two pick'em games for you. I love pick'em games. I love pick'em games. You know. I'll take the um, underdog. Yeah, there's none. Uh, Green Bay, Kansas City. Kansas City isn't great. They are not great. It's at Kansas City, but they're not great. Unless you say to yourself, by beating the Giants, even on a short week, they they somehow magically get better and they'll be better against Green Bay. I, I, I don't know. This could it's not make or break for Kansas City, but we're getting near that point. Kansas City's next three games are Green Bay, the Raiders, and the Cowboys. That is a tough stretch. Who you got in a pick'em game? By the way, four weeks ago, what would you have said about the AFC West? Wow, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, those pretty good teams, right? Yeah. Now it looks like nine and eight can win that division, right? I mean, this was pre-Gruden disaster. That's right. The Broncos turned out to be a house of cards in this Charger business. So, um, well, I I learned a good lesson, and maybe I was playing my own little self jinx on on the Packers and the points. Um, I actually snuck in some FanDuel money because they'll pay me a residual by me saying the words FanDuel right there, Tony. Uh, (laughs) On the Packers uh, getting before the Monday night game. This was interesting. I always like to look at the look ahead line. Before the Monday night game, the Packers were getting two and a half points. The Chiefs were favored at two and a half. After the Monday night game, it becomes pick them. So obviously we see how impressed uh, betters were with uh, Vegas was with Kansas city's performance. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretend Rogers are getting points here in this quote unquote pick them. And yeah, I think that these are teams, two teams going in opposite directions. So, and by the way, the first time Mahomes and Rogers have ever faced each other. Rogers was hurt the last time the chiefs and Packers played uh, I think it was two years ago. So, um, give me the Packers in that in that pick. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I'll uh, tell talk talk about myself as an idiot for betting against Pat Mahomes next week. So there. No, well, you talked about yourself as an idiot for betting against Rogers last week. So <laughs> I know it works exactly. Out. So you it know, works out. I'm One an idiot no matter what. As, as Arizona, San Francisco. This has dropped. Arizona was giving two and a half, right? And now it's even. Now it's pick 'em. I don't know what happened. I don't know who's hurt, or I don't know what happened. This can't be based on the fact that San Francisco won on Sunday. Just cannot be based on that, because right. Jimmy Garoppolo is twenty-five and eleven as a starter in the, in San Francisco. So you, I don't know what this is, but it bottomed, and I don't understand it. Now it's Pickham, Arizona, San Francisco. Who will you take? I, you know, when you showed the change of line, I just you know, like I said, I've I've been 
working on other other point spreads that have nothing to do with football in the last 24 hours. I did yeah. a quick little <laughs> to see what the news was at Arizona Cardinals, and this headline isn't good. They bring in four people to to try out for defense. Uh, you know, so they clearly have some injury problems on their defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, the AFC, uh, the NFC West beats the beats them. You know, they love to beat each other up. Um, I, I, and you know, Arizona won the. They played. No, they haven't played yet. Right, this is the first time they've played. They're out of a bye. Uh, They're coming out of a bye, a loss and a yeah. bye. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo looked like a guy who was playing for his job last week. He's like, oh, everybody thinks I'm going to get benched. I'm going to have yeah. the, the the fantasy game of my life. Um, I, I Arizona looked like the same thing last week against the Packers. They looked like the same thing that happened to them last year. Really good start, and then suddenly maybe it's a depth issue or whatever. Um, they they struggled in the second half. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet here that San Francisco is has got a lot more on the line in this game anyway. They got to win a few more games. Uh, to just to, to stay in this thing so give me the 49ers and that pick i will tell you this you just talked about how the afc west is in the process of cratering the nfc west is not they're not in the process of cratering they're really good all across the board in the nfc west those are good teams even the bad teams team like san francisco and seattle no they're good they're they're good yeah. they're good all right go to sleep you had a long night thank you chuck thank you guys see ya Chuck Todd, boys and girls, we hope he gets well. We hope he gets 7-0. and Yes. He's got to climb back the mountain of 500. If we just gave you Chuck Todd, especially with that throw-in thing about what's going on in American <laughs> politics, that would be enough. But we don't. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scratch-scratch-scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap-tap-tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going Sing to along, the kids. zoo, 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 Boom. And he's had too much Johnny Walker. Did you, did you chat with him? He had a big week. He was 3-0. and 3-0. and 11 and 12 overall. He's right there. He's right there. And he's a monkey. He's a monkey. Uh, and he's got a lot of things going on. He was very excited about the 3-0, and and he's, he's come back. But it was a big celebratory night down at the National Zoo uh, last night when I went down there, celebrating his big victory on election night. He was running for proconsul against, and I have to get this right, against a baboon named Cassius. Okay. So, big win. Big change at the National Zoo under yeah. Reginald's administration. But and by the way, he was celebrating with some fantastic people. Uh, let's see, Alan Alder was there. Oh, great! Stefan Edberg and Stevie Nicks. So sort of there an eclectic crowd. There but, you, you know, go. He, yeah. But that's what he does. He brings people together. Yeah. So they took some breaks from the uh, from the uh, from the celebrating to go over these uh, matches. And the first one we gave him was the Browns getting two and a half at Cincinnati. And this was a wonderful photograph he showed me of him riding in a hot air balloon with Bob Feller, Lou Boudreau, and Otto Graham. It was a very old photograph. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I am convinced the loser's done. I think you're done. right. Whoever loser go home. Yes, but he's, he's backing the Browns in this one, clearly. Uh, the next one we gave him was uh, the Rams at home giving seven and a half to the Derek Henry-less Tennessee Titans. Um, and this was another uh, photograph snapshot of him playing beach, bo- beach volleyball with Vince Ferragamo, Jerry Royce, and Rick Monday. Some, you know, strong ties Rick to Rick Monday the- works with Charlie Steiner. They oh, he does? Together. On the broadcast. Yeah, I, I, too, favor the Rams in this. 
I would give the points in this. Me, that's me. Right. Well, you and the monkey are of one mind on that. Yeah. Uh, and the last one we gave him was, uh, let's see, oh, San Francisco and Arizona in the Pick'em. And this is very exciting. So we show a couple of old photographs. This was a picture taken maybe last week. Reginald out in Arizona breaking ground for his new estate, which, of course, is right next to Wilbon's compound oh, yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, clearly he's going to. Is it not Shadow Creek? It's Whisper Rock. Wilbon's living in Whisper Rock. Yes, you know. this is a big property right next to it. So, well, you know, hot. He's doing well. He's 3-0 and last week is hot. That's like Jeff Marland. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will have email in the jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Is this going to become the graveyard for old trailers? It had to have been towed here in the middle of the night. Yep. In the middle of the night. Well, I just got rid of one. Now it seems as a flea. Guess what? Lock is a graveyard. Lock is a graveyard. Somebody hand me the phone. Hand me the phone. Because it's dumpy and wide. Dumpy and wide. I can't move on its own. Move on its own. I got neighbors here that call the cops because it's ugly and they don't want it here anymore. Somebody told it here I'm losing my mind, so I called Madeline. Reggie East Lewis George in the of the night, even trailers on my block, or whoever is to blame, gets bitten by a fire, in the middle of the night, it's brilliant, it's Joe Arrow, based on an idea by Jason Blazer in Lake Orion or Lake Ori in Michigan, it's totally brilliant, how great is that, it's just totally brilliant. Wow. And he says, Matt Landrew and Janice Lewis-George, Mr. Tony's ward number four contacts, were not harmed during the recording. <laughs> it's totally brilliant. That's brilliant. Wow. You want to do the uh, Bethesda Bagels? Bethesda Bagels, yes, thank you very much. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled, my friend. All right. That does it for us today, but let me just say, fine little girl, she waits for me to catch a ship across the sea, sail that ship about all alone. We'll never know if I'll make it home. A Louie Louie. No, 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 no. <laughs> we got to go. Um... That's the one song they ever had. Yes. Louie Louie. It's the one, the Kingsman. Kingsman. It's the one song they ever had. I think they're from Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Portland. It's, Somewhere up there. Yeah, Pacific In the upper Northwest. Northwest. And these might be the lyrics. They're not the lyrics <laughs> the drunken high school kids sing when they sing Louie Louie. They're just not. Thanks to our guests today. Chuck Todd, Booger McFarlane, James Carville, Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Simply Safe and Zip Recruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, leave us a review. Joe Arrow and Dan Byrne and, yeah. and Don Stewart. We yeah. had great music today. Great music from Joe Coronia, Kansas City, Missouri. I recently had to go to a wedding in Florida, and I have a report for everyone at Uncle Benny's table. First thing. Hotel was a two-bathroom situ situation. Nice. No heated toilet seat, but the bigger problem was the handle was on the other side. Oh. Very strange, the dreaded left-handed flush. Tell Nigel I got many compliments on my Indochino suit. I will be getting another very soon. Don't worry, I use the code. It is Florida, so tell Michael it's raining. And finally for you, it's not just Jacksonville. There's a Waffle House off every freeway <laughs> exit ramp in Florida. 
Nice trip, but I'm glad to be home. Happy birthday to everyone ever born, except... At Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> Bruce Thayer writes, Thank you for discussing the French horn with Chuck Todd the other day, as well as previous numerous mentions of Chuck's French horn background, as I've been a listener since the Team 980 days. My father, Edwin C. Thayer, was the principal French hornist for the National Symphony Orchestra from 1972 to 2002. One of his colleagues in the NSO was Chuck's teacher. My father passed away in July of 2020. Due to COVID-related delays, he is to be interred at Arlington National Cemetery um, just yesterday. Wow. November 2nd, just yesterday. Wow. A memorial concert performed by former students and colleagues was held the day before. I am in the midst of composing a bio about Dad in preparation for the services, and Chuck's description of the unique horn sound brought a tear to my eye as my dad's unique sound has been described as, quote, flawlessly smooth like the glass cover on a wakeless lake, unquote. He auditioned for the Boston Symphony Orchestra prior to coming to the NSO and was told his sound was not brassy enough for Boston. Hmm. Boston's loss was the NSO's and many students of the DMV's gain. Thanks for the great show, as always, from Bruce Thayer. Isn't that lovely? That is. Absolutely lovely. From Chris Horn. Director of Bands at Upper, Upper Dublin High School in Maple Glen Elementary. I was getting ready to lambast self-proclaimed third-chair hornist Chuck Todd for besmirching the good name of all band directors by proclaiming it was less than some symphony job. But then a warm smile washed over me as now I can tell my middle-of-the-road horn players that if they ever feel like they can't cut it as a first-chair all-state horn player, don't worry, kid, you can be the host of the <laughs> I should have read this to Chuck. P.S. Yes, I'm a band director and my last name is Horn. No, I've never heard it before. <laughs> Thanks for all the content as I'm driving from a high school rehearsal to our elementary school where I start fourth graders on the journey of a lifetime, learning a musical instrument. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? From Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, which I assume is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I, I would, assume. I would guess. Dear aged erstwhile music critic, I went to a Rolling Stones concert this past Sunday night in Minneapolis. French horn shout out to Chuck Todd. I know Tom Brady performing at a high level as an NFL quarterback in his mid-40s is amazing. But Mick Jagger preening and prancing, skipping and dancing, jumping and running around a stage for two and a half hours while in his late 70s might be even more amazing. The concert was great. Definitely worth the trip. The only downer was the hotel, just a one-bathroom situation. P.S. Is thinking of Chuck Todd while a French horn is being played during a Rolling Stones concert considered a David Aldridge moment? No, it's a Chuck Todd moment. <laughs> Chuck Todd moment. From Mark in Chicago. Hey, gang, on Wednesday's show, this last week, when Tony asked Tim Kirchin what the Braves were going to do in Game 4 and Game 5 since Charlie Morton got hurt, I loud to myself, I announced they're going to use 27 pitchers, getting one out each. <laughs> Take care. Another brilliant uh, Dan Brown Mike Roseberry, State College, Pennsylvania. I missed the last few pods, so I'm not sure if anyone has let you know that Louise Gluck has a new book of poetry out. I suppose it could be a lighthearted romp, but since the New York Times review includes the words stark and icy in the headline, <laughs> I'm going to assume that it reads like Eeyore's memoir. Please send me your copy once you're finished with it. And one more. Dear Dr. Hoffwaff, you mentioned how elaborate the neighborhood Halloween decorations were for trick-or-treat. Did any of them have a camel? No? Tory Clark laughs at them. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> P.S. Trick-or-treat, thank you very much. Bye. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. I hate bananas. I hate pumpkins. I hate squirrels. I hate watermelon. It's a lot of things I hate. <laughs> Thank you.
Paris and DeChambeau. They talk about Shakespeare, they call him the Bard, but he's nothing alongside Levitard. LED lighting beats candlelight, and the song is better than a hard day's night. It's all better now, just look at the splits. Michael Phelps could swim laps around Mark Spitz. Close your eyes, picture the Wimbledon grass Bill Tilden in his trousers facing Titsipah